it's a colloquial network of Catholic homesteaders who are looking to uh, support one another educationally through fellowship and through mutual aid. And then, of course, kind of centering uh, a Catholic liturgical life uh, uh, at the center of those homesteading activities. Welcome to Thrive in the Future podcast, positive solutions to help you thrive, designing your intentional life, homesteading, gardening, and rediscovering culture and tradition. Are you thriving this summer? Join the Thriving Community Telegram group where we share our real-world successes and failures on homesteading, gardening, and designing your intentional life at signup.thriveinthefuture.com. Want to create a food forest and grow three to five times more food with less maintenance? Go check out Will Horvath's free food forest toolkit. It's a free download. What you get? How to create a food forest step-by-step implementation checklist, a site survey checklist on how to read the landscape and analyze your site, five plug-and-play permaculture guild examples that you can copy and recreate in your food forest. This is similar to the Apple Guild that I used and the exact layout planning guide that Will used when establishing his food forest. So how do you get it? Go to permacultureapprentice.com slash food dash forest dash toolkit dash Scott. Long URL, but it's worth it. It's a free toolkit. Go and download it. Okay, welcome back to Thrive in the Future. This week I have Mike Thomas from the Catholic Land Movement. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. So give a little background on yourself and your homesteading journey. Uh, Yeah, so I've been homesteading for about, you know, a little bit over 10 years. I've been involved in various forms of, you know, organizing and stuff long before that. Um, Over the past 10 years, it became abundantly clear to us trying to get our own homestead together that one of the key ingredients is other people. And our whole experience around homesteading drove us to a closer relationship to um, the faith of our ancestors, uh, which for me is Catholicism. And so, um, and so that is that was a trajectory we followed over the past ten years. And from that, going back and and reading more about my Catholic heritage and reading more about the agrarianism that's tied to Catholicism and reading more about how Catholics have responded to the questions of industrialism and 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 all these things we discovered the catholic land movement and so i think that that's kind of the platform from which i i launch myself these days and find myself on your podcast as someone who's got his hand a bit on the rudder of the catholic land movement uh, which is just an explosive organization uh, in terms of its vitality uh, it just there's parish groups there's regions there's all kinds of people it's a colloquial network of Catholic homesteaders who are looking to uh, support one another educationally through fellowship and through mutual aid. And then, of course, kind of centering a Catholic liturgical life uh, uh, at the center of those homesteading activities. And so uh, I find myself as part of like the leadership team that's pulling that together. Um, And uh, I live in a old colonial house in upstate New York. I have about 25 acres. I raise sheep. I have a couple hundred apple trees that I tend to. I work in the building trades, building residential houses, and I have five kids and a beautiful wife. And so, you know, it's like a snapshot of uh, of who I am. And I think what what's brought me to this moment with you. I hope we get to talk about homesteading, Catholic land movement, you know, my journey and the broader vision for what the Catholic land movement is and where it's going. Sure. 
So with all your apples up there, what's, what's your favorite apple? Well, all of my apples are English bittersweet apples. It's a very, very unique type of subset of apples. Uh, all the apples that I grow are very specific for hard cider fermentation. And so I have a little wine cellar. I have, you know, 20, 55 gallon oak barrels and I ferment um, quite a bit of fruit and then I trade it with my neighbors and uh, I'm not like I don't have a commercial operation, but I have a production level, which is like just rests at the peak of what's allowed as far as home production. And so, um, and so all of my uh, trees are English bittersweet varieties, meaning that they have high tannins, high acids and high sugars uh, in order to cultivate a performance in natural fermentation in a barrel. And so my favorite of all of them is probably the Yarlington Mill, you know, uh, the Somerset Red Streak's pretty gorgeous too, but um, uh, the Yarlington Mill is just a gorgeous, uh, uh, you know, bittersweet English apple. I've grafted hundreds of them across my property and, uh, and yeah, so um, that, that's, that's what I do. That's what my apple crop's all about is about, um, you know, the naturally fermented, no additive uh, hard cider. That's great. Yeah, I have uh, my apple trees are just now producing. Last year was the first year and then it looks like this year is going to be pretty good. So most of mine are red delicious or I've got uh, Arkansas black, which are good storage for the wintertime. And I really like making cider as well. So that, that I'm I'm like uh, I'm geeking out here while you're telling me this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I have a good I have a nice uh what I call the heritage American block, which is snow apples, Macintosh, uh, um, uh, Ashmead's kernel, um, you know, uh, Spitzenberg's, uh, Liberty's production apples, you know, from American heritage right to the contemporary honey crisps and the rest of it. So I have like, I do have like one block of a hundred trees that are like, um, that are more uh, utility eating production apples uh kind of your your classic homestead set so sure. those are those are mixed in with what i do as well but but the majority of my apples are really all about this uh very very niche uh, uh production of bittersweet cider fruit that's awesome yeah. so you were saying that you discovered the catholic land movement i heard on another podcast that you discovered an old an old book that that was about this is that right can you give a little information about that yeah, yeah. Um, so through IHS Press, uh, several years ago, I think back in the 80s, uh, I mean, the late 80s was the first publication of it. John will correct me if I got it wrong. But um, uh, IHS Press published uh, essays by Father Vincent McNabb, and then a collection of letters and essays by the uh, original participants of the Catholic land movement um, as it was formed uh, in response to industrialism in the pre-war period of England. Uh, and so from like 1910 to 1930, uh, a Catholic land movement emerged in England, which set up demonstration farms and began to train young men in uh, agricultural techniques and domestic production and like get, get Catholic families out on the land. And their real motivator was this uh, reaction to rapid urbanization and industrialization that they were witnessing in um, in in England. And so we know that, you know, as time went on from the 1910s, you know, into the 1930s, there were 
even stronger reactions to the the, the progress of liberal uh, republics and, and and industrialism. But the Catholic land movement really seated itself in like uh, the health of families uh, in the Catholic faith and in like the like domestic production. And so they were like training people on on these demonstration farms and they were getting together land associations and they were, uh, you know, working in their uh, parishes to organize what we would understand as workshops and internships and all these things. And so I discovered this whole rich history of all these, you know, uh, Catholics organizing like this uh, and said, wow, well, like this should happen again. And a couple of my friends were like, yeah, you're right. This should happen again. And so we just started doing it. And that brought me into a greater uh, witness uh, that I wasn't the only person that was saying we should do this again. There are there are quite a lot of people across a very broad spectrum um, who were saying we should do things like this. We should we should center domestic production. We should uh, center uh, the means of production uh, within the grasp of like households and families, and we should train people. You know, we 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 should we should create programs that train people how to garden, how to graze small flocks, how to butcher animals, how to you know, heat their house with firewood on and on, you know, how to build simple things that uh, are economically and skill wise within the grasp of the common man. Um, and, and it just exploded from there. You know, I've been for, for, for the past three years, I've kind of just been like keeping pace, uh, <laughs> trying to keep up with the absolute tsunami of interest uh, around that trajectory of, you know, getting, getting back to primary things, getting back to, a, a close relationship uh, to our responsibility and dominion with the created world that God has given us, um, and so, uh, and so, um, it's been it's been an amazing thing to witness. It's been a, it's been a great gift in my life, and uh, it's brought me into contact with many many people. You 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 is one of them, and uh, and you know I'm I'm continuing to follow it. Uh, there's a uh, there's another conference that the Midwest region has organized that's going to happen in just a, a, a month or so uh, in September mm -hmm. 15th, 16th, and 17th. Um, past that, they're going to, well, we're starting in like the very beginning talks of organizing a uh, a conference on the West Coast in March. And so looks like it's just going to keep on rolling and keep on growing. Um, I, there's no, no end in sight to the growth of the Catholic land movement. Um, so yeah, that's a, you know, that's a, a snippet of like what I'm doing and what, what, what the whole thing's about. Cool. So you're going national and you've got your regional conferences. So this one in September, I think is in Indiana, right? You got it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then there'll be one uh, likely in California. Um, I, I have ideas to help seed one in the deep South uh, a post that March one in California. And then, um, and then back up to uh, the Northeast um, in, in the springtime uh, where, where we had the last one. But the Catholic land movement is really even broader than national. There's there's parish chapters in Portugal, Australia, um, on and on and on. I, you know, there's there's interest in Ireland and England. And, you know, they, so it's really actually an international thing that's that's emerging. Um, we're just kind of getting our legs under us to be able to you know, help cultivate uh, the the international emergence of the Catholic land movement, but but it, it's there. You know, it's 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 there's interest and uh, and kind of nodes of activity all across the world at this point. Sure. So if someone's in, like I'm in Northeast Kansas. So if uh, someone's in a parish in Northeast Kansas, how do they how do they get hooked up with you? 
Oh, yeah. So just uh, go right to the Catholic Land Movement website, send me an email. Be patient and persistent. Um, you know, apply some of those virtues of patience and and, and diligence. And uh, you know, um, I will eventually get back to you. If you if you really feel compelled to jump the stack, just give me a phone call. You'll find my number on the on the website. I'm happy to talk with you and and get you started with uh, with where you are with what you have. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but sending an email through the website is probably the best way to, um, kind of get, start, start to get involved with what's going on. Um, and, and, and let us know that you're like on our radar, you know, it's, it's not just me, but a collection of volunteers who are cultivating the effort. And so I might pass you to a regional leader that could then help you plug into conference organizing or parish workshops or reading groups uh mutual aid groups um there's all there's all livestock swaps you know i just they they, they, they got, the midwest has like a livestock swap group now <laughs> you know it's just on and on and on it's just uh it, it it's it's far beyond um it's far beyond anything that i could like you know keep holy in my vision it's just growing on the peripheral uh endlessly and i'm kind of keeping up with it uh trying to help uh, people find one another. And so sending an email to the website can help you plug into that, you know, uh, that, that task of mine of, of connecting people. Yeah, that's pretty good. So as you, someone moves into your area or they, you know, they move out of the city, um, how do you bring them into the fold or, or, you know, help them get established? Like all of us know that, the first year garden doesn't go very well, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I usually just meet people where they are, you know, with what they have. Um, and uh, I listen a lot. And then um, whatever, you know, there might just be very obvious fruit of like, hey, there's this guy, you know, two doors down from you at another parish who's a market gardener. And why don't you go help him for a season before you really, you know, go full steam on your farm uh, or, um, you know, has anyone given you an evaluation of the best use of your land? Hey, there's this guy who's been homesteading 10 years, uh, down the road from you. You know, wh- why, why don't you connect with him? Maybe he could go over and give you a little one over and tell you, you know, fruit trees aren't going to work where you're planting them. They're going to work over here, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, I usually listen is the first. And then sometimes I listen to people and they're far away from like even owning property. You know, they're just like they're in their parish and it's a dream and they want to convince their, you know, wife or their family to like, you know, move out to a piece of land. And how do they do that? How do they how do they talk to them? And so it's a whole other level of coaching and 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 relationship, you know, so I really just am like meeting people where they are and uh, and, and trying. And sometimes I get like young men who don't have any intention of buying land anytime soon, but the idea excites them. You know, the idea of homesteading excites them and, 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 and it's relationship to Catholic social teaching excites them. And so they want to start a reading group in their parish and, you know, read through Chesterton or, or, or Leo the 13th or something. And so I'll guide that, you know, there's, there's a myriad of, of ways that I might, you know, connect with somebody, but it really is dependent on like where, where they are. And sometimes I meet people in there, 10 steps ahead of me, you know, they, they're, they're, they're in their seventies looking to transition their land. And how can I, you know, I don't have any kids who are interested in farming. Oh, really? How can I, help, you know, how can I help, uh, uh, connect, you know, can you help me connect with young Catholics who want to keep on what I'm, what I'm doing, you know? And so 
every single situation that I encounter is different. And it takes a lot of listening and time and conversation to kind of know um, what the, uh, you know, right course of action or interaction is um, uh, with a Catholic land movement um, for, for that person. So there's no like, uh, there is like a set uh, a vessel or parameters, right? We have, we have parish chapters, regional leaders, uh, we, we cultivate action on a parish level. Then we have re regional leadership teams that are developed by witnessing the fruit of like action on the parish level. And then we, and then I coach those leadership teams to put on a conference um, and then, and then gear those workshops to very practical skills that are very entry level to kind of soak people up into from other parishes into more action that feeds back. You know, it's all this kind of like uh, circular synergy that I'm, that we're trying to create of action, 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 cabbage, cabbage, cabbage. Um, and so, um, so there is like, you know, somewhat of a formula, but at the same time, it's also, um, I'm also very much listening to people and, and trying to, you know, find where they are and, and, and help them cultivate what they have. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's like a window box, you know, some, sometimes it's a, it's a pasture field, you know, sometimes it's an inherited farm that they don't even know what to do with, you know? So, um, so it's, it's a whole, there's a whole scale of what, what I meet with people. Yeah. We have a lot of folks that are, uh, um, in, in our Orthodox parish that are, um, having chickens in town. Right? right. So, but they can't have roosters. So we hatched a bunch of chickens too many roosters. So we've been uh, processing chickens and then, we, <laughs> and then we teach each other, you know, we're not, we have a slogan on the podcast. We're not an expert, but we're still going to get stuff done. And, and then we, uh, we got together with them and, and paired them with more experienced folks and, and taught them how to process, process the chickens. And then the kids are getting more, or, you know, teenagers are getting more in touch with there's that's where their food comes from yep yep we are uh we're, my wife right now is working out with another woman in our parish out of you know we have 30 meat birds sitting in our barn right now and they have you know meat birds sitting in their barn and so our our big families are gonna swap days where you know the kids and the husbands and the wives and the you know the older ones we all get together and uh and and process birds together and so uh first you know them and then ours and so you know the, these types of activities are are not they're not really you know growing a flock of 30 meat birds really isn't that hard and then uh, the fellowship that grows out of like a, a processing day between two or three families is significant you know it's sure. it's, it's 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 a good thing um and 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 uh and so those are the types of activities that from the Catholic land movement perspective, we're trying to cultivate in other parishes, you know, hey, you know, and if we see someone who's like, yeah, we're doing land birds, that's great. And it's like, oh, cool. Is there somebody on your in your parish who would be interested in doing 100 meat birds and then everybody gets together for a processing day? You know, what does that look like? Can we help you do that? You know, that's always the Catholic land movement is kind of encouraging that next step with people. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's real impressive. The organized on the macro level as well as the micro level down at the parish level. That's really neat. Yeah. The uh there's a of the principle of subsidiarity, which is a which is a tenant of Catholic social teaching, really guides the Catholic land movement in that we're like trying to push activity and authority to the lowest level mm -hmm. um that uh that a various action necessitates. 
but not forsaking the higher levels of organization and action. So it's like um, you, you end up with this arrangement where you're where you're like you 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 need a a, a large organization to witness everything and to you know, help cultivate and to help collect the stories and to help kind of push people to action. But you're always pushing that action and those activities and the authority around the organization to the lowest level of function, which really tends to be like, you know, a handful of families or a, a few strong men, like in a parish, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's, the, those are the engines of actual like uh, boots on the ground. So there's this beautiful like synergy across the layers when you apply the principle of subsidiarity, which a lot of people always mistake is like, you don't have anything central or big. And that's not the case. Um, the, the, you know, there's some things that only function at a, at a high central level, but there's other, whatever I can push to the lowest level I do. Uh, and then you just keep on cultivating from there. And so, um, subsidiarity as a principle is something that like, uh, the Catholic land movement really, really, um, pushes into. And so there's, a lot of times we'll like, you know, set up a leadership team and just be like, okay, you tell us what, what do you need from us as a central organization? How do we support your efforts? You know, what's your vision? And then kind of holding them to that vision, helping them uh, cultivate and move towards it. Um, you know, so uh, 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 it is, it is kind of a great organizing model. Um, it allows like an inform in, an informalness uh, to the overall organization that really keeps things moving. Um, where, where, where sometimes if you have too heavy uh, structure, too heavy kind of top down organization, you inhibit that those lower levels of at which like action has. And the Catholic social teaching of subsidiarity, I feel like inverts that where the highest levels are serving the lowest levels, which are doing things you know um uh and so um so yeah so it is it is great it is fun to witness it's a fun way to organize um you know for for me on that on that macro level i get to see all these beautiful parishes of people doing awesome things i get to talk with fellows like yourself you know i get to you know i get to um it's it's fun at the high level and i think it's fun at the low level too um but for the people with their hands in the dirt and planting cabbage and gutting chickens so um yeah that's yeah. great so what kind of uh traditions or um ceremony type things do you have coming up with the fall and the and then the holidays how do you incorporate uh, all that in that liturgical year in there yeah so my my habit wise um the turn of the season is going to turn from like you know this is kind of the lull where where we're in right now is somewhat of a lull um sure. especially with the amount of rain we've gotten you know, I have to move sheep a little bit, but like, I'm not really harvesting and I'm not really planting. Um, uh, it's a lull. I'm going to work every day and, you know, keep, keep, you know, reading books and everything else, but that's soon going to end as harvest season kind of kicks back on. And so, um, uh, as harvest season kicks back on, it's going to be harvesting apples, harvesting animals, harvesting gardens, processing animals, you know, the, the things are going to get really, really busy. Um, come like mid September, late September here, and that that kind of busy carries on until uh, we get to you know Yuletide uh, rising and then Advent and 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 the uh, you know that cycle of the liturgical calendar, and then things kind of slow down again. We get sure. into into holiday time, and it's more about um, you know f focus on the family. 
um, you know, focus on the life of Christ. Uh, we have a Jesse tree that we'll take out here as part of like our liturgical year and the kids will go through, um, you know, all, all the, the roots of the Christ story in the old Testament. Mm-hmm. And we'll kind of talk about all, you know, all that. And there'll be readings daily where we kind of engage those things and then see how, um, Christ, uh, satisfies or answers a lot of the Old Testament uh, uh, prophecies, questions, uh, open ends, and uh, and then we'll you know we'll move into Christmas, um, and then so that's got a whole that's got a whole life in our church and a whole you know a whole life in our family and everything and everything else there. So um, and and at that point it's like we're kind of out of the intense agricultural period um we have that 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 wintertime lull of hearths and meals and you know but um so the, the but the next phase the most very immediate and next phase is uh is the work of harvest mm-hmm. which i always feel like around here starts with a hops harvest um hops get harvested around here like that third week in august mm-hmm. and i volunteer at a, at a hops farm down the road and that's always like my key when that farm calls me, it's like, Hey, Mike, we need your help. You know, like come, come help us. I'm like, okay, harvest is on, you know, and it's not just the hops. It's the garden. It's the apples. It's the sheep. It's the, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, turning everything over, you know, uh, closing up all the raised beds, you know, on and on and on. I can go with it. And then, well, by the time we like finally get a break from that, we, then we collapse into Advent and, and, uh, and, and, and the liturgical life of the church that is so rich at that moment as we, as we switch out of, uh, you know, we, we switch back into holy days. And so, um, and so, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that, that's what, that's, that's the next, you know, five, six months that I'm, that I'm looking at. And it's a, it's a beautiful cycle to be part of. It's really nice how, um, the liturgical calendar, and I don't know how it is for, for Eastern Orthodox. I, I feel like we likely share lots of similarities, um, in our liturgical calendars, but it's very, it's beautiful how the agricultural calendar like overlays the liturgical calendar. And like, there's, there's lulls and pitches uh, uh, in, in both of them that complement one another in these, mm-hmm. in these uh, unique and beautiful ways. And so, um, and so, uh, yeah, so harvest is next and kind of in a lull and kind of focused on like professional life and, uh, and, 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 and those things. And then, uh, and then um, come the end of August, everything's going to turn on again. Yeah, it's been raining a lot here, so we're running a few weeks behind. Uh, the chestnuts don't look very big, or you know, and things yeah. like that. So it'll it'll probably be later than usual. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I, I I have to say, all the rain for us has kind of been somewhat of a blessing. Where I haven't watered like the garden once, where you or like trees, or usually I'm messing with irrigation and pulling this broken line here and fixing this broken line there. And like this year, I've just been like, boy, it's raining every other day, if not every day. It's right. like living in Louisiana. I'm like, okay, I don't, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna mess with the with the irrigation lines. Things things seem like they're gonna continue to be okay, you know. So um, so uh, you know, yeah, you know, it's it's nicer. Um, this year is a little bit. This summer has been a little bit easy on us uh, farm wise, mostly because of the abundance of rain. We get these like really warm, sunny mornings, and then we get a light sprinkle in the afternoon, and it really is. It's like living down south. It's it's uh it's uh it's been nice for growing things uh my garden looks great the uh 
you know, the trees look great. Um, animals look great. You know, every, everything's like looking good this year or some years it is like, by the time you get to that second week in August, things are dry and Brown and, yeah. um, you know, you know, uh, you, you can tell it's like you're carrying water buckets all the time or you're fixing lines and, you know, you just, you know, praying that things make it to harvest, but, uh, but not this year it's, it's, it's green, like, you know, mid July here, you know, so, um, sure. so things, 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 even though the flowers are all, you know, one eyed Susans and Queen Anne's lace and all those late, you know, flowers are popping up. It's still green here. Um, so everything's happy. Yeah. Sounds good. So, um, give the website one more time and how they can contact you. Yeah. So it's a uh, uh, www.catholiclandmovement.info. Uh, and um, it, the, the website is a work in progress. There's lots of like, you'll find the various sections that are still like hopes. Um, and then you'll find other sections that are like very productive and have, you know, clear, uh, you know, fully fleshed out bones. Um, one of the ones, uh, the conference organizing has really been an engine uh, around how the Catholic land movement is, is, is putting itself together and pulling itself up. And so um, if you're in the Midwest region and you're a Catholic and you're interested in like connecting, um, I really encourage you to go to the Indiana conference, you know, go to the website, check out the Indiana conference. Um, I think we're somewhere around like, you know, just shy of 200 tickets now, and we're, we're only going to sell 300. And so, um, we're, we're getting close there. Um, that, that, I think that 350, including kids. So I think it's like really close. Um, so, so, um, so, you know, if you're interested in attending, I think last time I checked, we were at like 140 or something with people and, and then 90 something kids on top of that. So we're getting really close to like, you know, uh, the max. So if it's something that interests you jump in, there's gonna there's other parishes. Um, there's there's gonna be workshops in the Midwest region uh, out of Cincinnati. I just found out they're gonna host a weekend workshop series. Uh, the parish there is like very active and just really wants to like keep the momentum up. So I think right post the conference in October, there's a Cincinnati parish that's gonna host stuff. Um, you know I can I, I can plug you in if you're in the Midwest um, to a lot of stuff that's going on there. If you're on the West Coast. Um, looking for volunteers, workshop presenters, uh, people who are interested in pulling, helping us pull together a, uh, a West Coast Catholic Land Movement Conference um, in early spring, late winter. Um, so, you know, March, April, sometime around there. Um, and so if people are, you know, people who are listening who may be on the West Coast, you know, reach out, get in touch. Um, there's lots of stuff going on. There's lots of stuff going on out there and we'd love to plug you into it. Yeah, it sounds good. We have a friend in our uh, in our online thriving community that's in Southeast Kansas that um, I'm sure she would like to contact you from uh, her Catholic parish. So I'm sure she'll be tickled. <laughs> Great. Awesome. <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate your time tonight. Yeah, yeah. I, I thank you so much for giving me the platform to talk to the, you know, your, your listeners and uh, God bless you, Scott. It's been great talking to you. God bless you too. That was a great interview. Thanks. And check out Thriver News. It's thriving community news without the noise. It's where Purpin and I have more long-form articles about different topics, including homesteading, intentional living. For example, some of the things we've had here is how to make comfrey salve or balm on the fly, uh, the challenge of being present, basically musings from around the fire pit, teaching kids that failure is an option, 
a food forest walkthrough of year three, what worked and what didn't. So check it out at thriver.news. And if you like this episode, consider joining the Thriving Patreon, where you can get early episodes, extras, outtakes, ebooks, as well as lots of bonuses. That's at patreon.com slash thrive in the future. Thank you for listening to Thrive in the Future podcast. If you like what you hear, please click that like or subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Thrive in the Future and also go to thriveinthefuture.com. Next time on Thrive in the Future podcast. Coming up on Thrive in the Future podcast, Perpin and I talk about building community versus networking. And it seems like everybody is quitting. Have you noticed this? So the slow steading folks quit their homestead and move to Japan. You've got a whole bunch of other people quitting. So what makes you want to quit and how do you stay in there? Those are coming up on Thrive in the Future podcast.